What's up, y'all? What's up? Back again, episode two. Oh my god, I'm so excited! <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm gonna take a drink. Okay, me too. Wait, let's toast. Let's toast to episode, to episode two. two. We doing it, y'all? We did it, y'all. I made these spiked eggnog martinis. They're delicious, by the way. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, girl. You know how we got to kick it off? A little fit, check, fit, check, a fit, a fit, a fit, check. As y'all can see, uh, those that can see it, it's real cozy up in here It's today. real cozy All right. today. <laughs> we real comfortable and laid back and relaxed. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Um, my fit, we just going to keep it very simple. I got sweatpants, guys, and, and an oversized hoodie. And uh, uh, this is a fisherman hat. Like that's the type of hat it is. Yes. Oh, it's like a beanie. Didn't you teach me something last time? I did. Wow. This is turning into hat education. It guys. literally is. So it's not like it's a skull cap, but you know, like the ones that be having the thick brims and they're not super tall. It's called a fisherman cap. But yeah, it's real. And then I got on cream and gray. Like I'm saying, it's it's chill, mm-hmm. super chill. What you got on, girl? Okay, so I have on a black uh, jumpsuit. Yeah, um, you know, the kind that when you go to use bathroom, you get naked. <laughs> or you just won't be able to use the bathroom. Um, Basically. And then I have on this oversized coat again that is black and white. And then I have on a Jeezy, the snowman hat. What kind of hat is this? It looks like, like, a, like a 47. It's a 47. It's a 47. Classic dad hat Official silhouette. You feel me? Jeezy merch. The fact that you have a Jeezy hat is. Where did you get that hat? Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> let's talk so, about it. I used to date this guy who was Ooh. a huge Jeezy fan, and I got him the hat mm-hmm. for his birthday one year, and I was like, "Ooh, I want one," so I got myself one from the Jeezy Girl, website. I thought, I thought she was about to say you took it back. No, <laughs> no, no, I didn't do that. That would have been hilarious. Maybe I should have, but I didn't. I wonder if he still has that hat. I should ask him. Um, but yeah, I'm keeping it real cozy today. This code again is literally one of my favorite things ever. Code again is a hilarious word, but that's, that's what, what Target it called it. That's what it is, though. Don't I, I'm not trying to shoot the messenger. I'm just. It felt like it. All right, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> that's what we got on today, y'all. Real cozy, super chill. Y'all are gonna get like such a variety of how we style ourselves absolutely <laughs> it is not a monolith i over might here. pop up in some damn pajamas one day you hey, just don't know it is what it is we real humans yeah. on this on this side of the camera you feel me but we're super excited about episode two so let's jump right in let's get to it all right my question of the day are you ready i'm ready all right is it enough to be passionate about what we're doing or do we need the public and financial recognition and compensation too Ooh. So is passion enough or do we need public and financial recognition and compensation? Oh, yeah, that's kind of tough. Damn. Okay. So how would I address this? I got to address this in pieces, y'all. So is it enough to be passionate about what you're doing? Um, okay. I take this in two ways. So like work versus passion projects or talents or hobbies or things that we want to feed that are of ourselves Mm -hmm. but may not um pay for our living 
Ah, God, this is a tough question. But can the two coexist? Oh, let me not ask I think, questions. I think the two, one, I think they are separate things. And I say that intentionally because I myself have gone through a metamorphosis of like divorcing the idea that I have to be passionate about what pays my bills versus being passionate about my passions. Um, because for the long time, like what was paying my bills, baby <laughs> was not, didn't have anything to do with my personality, yeah. with my talents, with things that I actually liked or enjoyed. It just made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, good in a sense if you have already separated the idea that being passionate does not have to exist in a space that is purely paying your bills if you are able to be passionate about the work that provides for you fantastic but I definitely ran into that wall of but I'm not passionate about this and it's like well maybe you're not supposed to be you're supposed to be passionate about your passions this ain't this ain't necess- this isn't this doesn't have to be where passion resides. Um mm. it can just be what it is. It can just serve its purpose. And then you can funnel and feed your other passions because you are able to financially take care of yourself. They don't have to be one and the same. They can be. Yeah. But they don't have to be. So I don't disagree, but I I for sure like my my first mind says that the two can absolutely coexist. Um, Before I came into social media and content creation full time, I was a social worker, Mm -hmm. specifically working in the realm of school social work. And social work was a passion for me, a passion that did not pay very well. And when I went into it, I knew that it wouldn't pay well. Mm -hmm. But because I loved it, I was willing to pursue it regardless of what the paycheck looked like because I was passionate about it. Um, I think to your point, there are times where maybe it's just necessary to separate the two like career from passion. And, and it doesn't even have to be side hustle. I, I know I've talked to some of my friends before about like, especially creatives. I think creatives have it, have this challenge that they face um, as far as like, okay, this is my full-time job, but I also love making music or I love videography. I love photography, (laughs) but I'm afraid to monetize those things because I am afraid that I will lose my passion for it. Solid point there. Yeah. So I think maybe it depends. Does it depend on what the passion is? Like, does that determine whether you, it can I don't know so okay so to your example I was in pharma uh and aesthetic medical sales is anybody passionate about pharma maybe some people are I wouldn't and and it wasn't I don't think it's anything wrong with being passionate about pharma I think it it depends on the role in which you occupy if you are in R&D if you are in clinical research if you are somebody where the work that you're doing makes an impact. I always struggled with never having like a desired job title or desired job position that I wanted to be in life. I was somebody that always wanted to make an impact. And so my background is sales and sales to me is just, it's just a soul suck. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult 
for me, when people would ask me, namely like mentors or like elder family members, when they would ask me like, oh, are you, don't you love it? Aren't you passionate about it? And it's just kind of like, I mean, it's sales. What, what is the expectation of passion? I don't, I don't enjoy metrics and, uh, you know, KPIs and mm. all of it. Like what, yeah. when I think of passion, because I am a creative, mm-hmm. none of those things that are extremely logic based and void of any creativity ignite anything no. inside of me. So when people would ask me that, I would almost be like, are you dead ass? Cause like, why would I be passionate about that? It's something I do. It's yeah. something that pays my bills. It's something I'm capable of. It's a task I can complete. Mm-hmm. But why would that inspire any fire in mm-hmm. my soul? And I think from my creative perspective, right? Like as an influencer, content creator, social media manager, like that public recognition part, mm-hmm. it's like I have for sure had to do the work as an influencer specifically to separate validation from the necessity. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all getting it real up in here. Okay? From the necessity of public recognition. Yes. Because in order for me to succeed as an influencer, I have to be recognized by my followers. Yeah. I have to be recognized by brands that I want to work with. So like, I think with the public recognition part, you have to really decipher between public recognition and seeking validation, because I definitely think those are two totally different things. They are different, but the line is fine. The line is very, very thin for sure. Super fine. I think, the public recognition or the engagement let's say the engagement Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. that's a measure of it's a metric of the creative space yeah and how well and how well you're doing Mm -hmm. like the reach the insights Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff it's a measuring stick now what it doesn't measure is how good it is yeah that's true so you can have a fantastic product and just not because you don't control the algorithms Mm -hmm. like be able to influence how far it gets out and how much it's shared, but it doesn't mean it's not good content. And so I think that there's a lot of intersectionality between is it enough to be passionate or do you need external confirmation? Yeah. And I think there are intersections because I think it's so dependent on what you're trying to do. There is a, there's a level that if you go beyond just doing it for sport you are gonna hit that intersection of other people needing to engage with it and other people needing to be a part of it right because like even with this podcast like at at the time of us recording this episode the first one hasn't been released yet right but the success of our podcast does depend on the support of and the streaming of Mm -hmm outside sources that we cannot control correct um and so like the question like it that begs us to ask the question do we keep going even if streams are low for the first episode like do we chalk it up to the algorithm was just kind of messed up people haven't seen it yet like how how do we go about measuring yeah i and i think that's a perfect way to talk about like where they merge and where they you know diverge right Mm -hmm. 
So we do it because we love it mm-hmm. and because we see value in it. Yes. And I think that sometimes the the struggle I think our our parents' generation has with our generation is like the instant gratification. Like if something don't pop immediately, that is never going to pop. And I think that mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. we have to do, just like when we talk about faithfulness and stuff like that mm-hmm. in other conversations and even in our first episode, it may not pop. Yeah. off rip but yeah. that doesn't mean it's not gonna pop but if you stop yeah if you stop you are killing any chance mm-hmm. of it popping at any point for sure right so like we do it because we enjoy this shit, mm-hmm. right if it pops fantastic yeah that would be great but we didn't create this or start this going oh we gonna go viral yeah we we literally and I did think not. there's a difference between things that are done with that intention mm-hmm. because there's no substance to it. They mm-hmm. don't they hit one time, but they're because that was the intention. Yeah. There is no there's no depth, so there is no follow up. Yeah, right. But we do this the way that we do it, and we put out a really solid product because this is just coming from us. Yeah, it's gonna whatever success that it reaches is going to be well-earned success and the things that you're passionate about have to follow that formula like it can't I tell I tell my clients all the time like if you are chasing virality you one are working with the wrong social media manager but Mm -hmm. also what are you gonna do when you go viral Mm -hmm. can you even handle that can you even handle that amount of public recognition and with the financial recognition part I mean, I'll be honest, I need this shit, not just not the podcast, but like the passions that I have that I've pursued as career, because at this point, my career is or my career is made up of the things that I am passionate about. Right. Um, Baby, I need them dollars to make sense. <laughs> okay. The math got a math, guys, because everything is expensive. Listen, eggs are 50 million dollars right now. Listen. Because what the hell really going on? So I need my passions to for sure. If I don't have the public recognition, but I got the financial recognition. Cool. Baby. <laughs> cool. One out of two ain't bad. You know, you know, like don't get <laughs> greedy. I'll take it. We'll take it. Because let me tell you, nigga, I went to, I went to Taco Bell. I got First of all. Hey, yo. <laughs> it ain't even. I'm judging. Why? You went there sober? Let's not do this. So yes or no? Did you go there sober? Yeah, nigga, I like Taco Bell. What you get? That's not the point of what I'm about to say. <laughs> Your stomach hurts. <laughs> you had that today? No, no, no. This I was, was about this to say, was you nah, drinking this eggnog. Hey yo, and you had Taco you going Bell. crazy, y'all? I'm not. I'm not finna endanger nobody's bathroom. She wilding. Listen, I went. I was picking Jordan up from dance. Okay. And that was the only thing that was open because she get out at like ten o'clock. Oh, that's fair. So it was Wendy's me, was open, not near us. <laughs> Taco Bell next to the dance school, bro. I ain't driving no damn Wendy's. Anyways, I got myself some food, my sister some food, and my brother some food. It was forty five dollars. Wait, for real? Like yes. literally? Yes. Yes. I kid you not. I was pissed. At Taco Bell. I was pissed. You spent, I got two okay. number sevens and Sydney. some chalupas and it was forty five dollars. First of all, you're I almost gave in that damn no food damn bag. Number sevens, like I know what the fucking number case, seven chicken is. Chicken quesadillas. 
You forty five. You could have went to a Mexican restaurant and spent less than that. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. It, the the inflation. So not is only did you go to Taco Bell sober, she's you missing let, the point. You let them niggas rip you off and snatch forty five dollars out your bank account. It was forty five dollars. Was it good? I mean, it was Taco Bell. <laughs> Oh, no, well, nothing. I mean, it was good for what it was, but like, it definitely wasn't worth forty five dollars, bro. You would have spent less. I know, I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. Inflation is a bitch. Inflation is a That's bitch. That's crazy. That you talking about eggs, fifty million dollars? Let me give you a real example of That's what the fuck insanity. my receipt looked like. I looked at that man like, what the fuck did you just say? Re- re- repeat my order to me real quick, because I don't know how. Because we- I only ordered for three people, not six. Forty. If you had ordered for six people, $45. I drove off mad than a motherfucker. So you going to go back to Taco Bell? Uh, Not anytime soon. <laughs> not before I get another job. <laughs> Period. Because I can't be spending what? $45. Uh-uh. $45? Not on Taco Bell. Maybe I went and spent about 100 at Perry's last night, but I, it was worth it. But it's Perry's, Taco not Bell. Taco Bell. Yeah. Y'all, Listen, speaking of mm. Perry's, I had a salted caramel espresso martini last night it was my first espresso martini. i don't know how that was your first espresso martini. well because i don't do vodka i've heard you can do it with tequila too but like i and also i don't drink coffee so fair, fair. like but that it, wasn't something that appealed fair. to me and i saw it on the menu and it said salted caramel and salted caramel is one of my favorite flavors and jazz convinced me to try it boy was she on the money okay because i want to be an espresso martini <laughs> that's probably why i made these uh eggnog martinis yeah because they they look like espresso martinis yeah i just i had to get something similar but they're delicious um i should be a bartender maybe that's another passion i should explore that pays well if you're good at it i guess yeah you get in the right spot well yeah that's true too so So maybe i should just be a stripper if y'all could see my face right now (laughs) (laughs) i wish the camera was still recording (laughs) Okay. Who? Yeah. So, please, please put a turn signal on and pivot from that. <laughs> so, but did we determine? Is it enough to be passionate or no? I think, I think to wrap this up, I think at some point you are going to hit that intersection where you either need the financial recognition or the compensation to take it to another okay, level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'll say that. Like, once you want to go to another level, then other things factor in. Okay. So, yeah. That's fair. Okay, The Color Purple came out this week. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, God, it's so good. I know. Okay, admittedly, and if you are listening to this and you have not heard me say this yet. (laughs) I already know what she's about to say. I have not seen the original color purple all the way through that part is important i feel like some of y'all already started judging before you let me finish my sentence (laughs) i haven't seen it all the way through okay that is very important distinction i saw it with my family on tuesday and because i haven't seen it all the way through i didn't know how it ended y'all i was in there in tears it I can't was wait to go so see it. good y'all it was so good it was so good Fantasia Danielle Brooks like 
I want, I, honestly, I want the entire cast to get every award that they are nominated for because of this movie. Mm. It was so good. And then, like, being able to see, you know, their press run and everything and seeing the interviews. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoy stuff like that. I like being able to get the essentially the like behind the scenes internal intel really yeah from stories and so like just seeing everything come to life has just been really beautiful um and shout out to Fantasia stylist because she's been putting that shit on guys been put yo been putting it on it don't make no sense it bro. makes no sense and like not even just her just aesthetically, like the clothes looking great, the pictures looking phenomenal, but the fit of every single outfit, like mm-hmm. it's tailored perfectly. Everything just looks so good on her. I have been thoroughly impressed by that. Um, but I did want us to talk about. So Taraji has been. Um, yes. I also want her to get all the awards for this movie. She deserves her flowers. She deserves it so much. Um, but she's been talking a lot about black women specifically not getting their just due or their coins right. in this industry, in many industries, but um, in media specifically in movies and film. Um and so I just wanted us to kind of have a conversation about that. Like, is there overlap between TV and film and the rest of the careers, you know, that we're a part of? Like, we know that the pay gap for black women specifically is very large in comparison to white men. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to have a conversation about what she's been articulating and the things that she's been saying in interviews and things like that. I mean, absolutely. I think I think what's interesting is that there's a a standard of what it means to be an A-list celebrity or mm-hmm. A-list movie star mm-hmm. um, that seems a little, like, ambiguous or arbitrary for us as black people. And I think that is why studios and production companies are able to still get away with these pay discrepancies because I feel like there's, it would be crazy to say that Taraji P. Henson is not an A-list celebrity. Right. But I feel like there's still, there's still something that she's expected to prove. And it's like, we've seen, her white counterparts star in things that it's just like okay we've whatever. seen her white counterparts star in things alongside her and make and get so much more money so brad pitt she spoke specifically about him and i understand like brad pitt has had a very successful career he's a great actor but to say that he's a great actor i think white audiences take that and they make that then translate into, well, Taraji's not as great of an actor as Brad. Oh, right, exactly. And that's just not it's even true. And it's just like, well, so even when we think about how long it took for Cheryl Lee Ralph to get recognized. The way people, and that's the other thing that's interesting about it too. If you were a black kid growing up 
in the 90s and the early 2000s, you know exactly who Cheryl Lee Ralph is. You know she is D. Mitchell from Moesha. Yes. So when people are like, uh, Miss So-and-So from Abbott was in Dreamgirls, it's like, from Abbott? Like, are are you dead ass? (laughs) That's D. That's crazy. That's crazy to me. And some of it is like generational, which is fair. But the other part about it is like, these celebrities are not, they're not just coming into their relevancy. No, at all. They're not. The y'all just did not want to acknowledge them and recognize the contribution. I mean, it's no different than how people want to sit up and talk about friends. And it's like the blueprint to friends was living single, baby. And nobody's saying that friends was not a good show. I'm not, at least. I enjoyed friends. But we have to stop. And and by we, I don't mean us. <laughs> I mean them. But, like, we have to stop acting as if white people were the first to do shit. Yeah, we we Christopher Columbus. Let me tell everything. y'all what they were the first to. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> we don't have to go there. Today. Not this episode. But <laughs> I just I do want us to stop that. Like, it's it's so unfair. This is kind of off topic, but not really. Like when we think about musically, mm. how a lot of white folks don't even know that pretty much every genre of music was created by black people. Rock and roll. Country. Country. Bluegrass is actually African. So <laughs> it's just like. The banjo is an African instrument. The fact that we created so much, like we built a lot of this shit on our backs on our bloodied backs at that and we are still fighting for recognition yeah and everything is and it's like how is the white version of it the the co-opted version of it inherently better because it really be the great value yeah and my thing is like i mean there's nothing wrong with great value like but sometimes there's a distinction for sure you know what i'm saying and i think when we make those comparisons just a little aside when you listen to our podcast, you getting our opinions about oh. things. Disclaimer. We, we not holding back. We saying what it is and how we feel. Um, so while I will err on the side of like not intending to be offensive. Yeah. I'm not going to self-censor things that I feel very convicted mm-hmm. about. And I do feel like we are in a space and time where everybody's trying to be so politically correct that they don't acknowledge just objective fact. Yeah. Well, we there don't want to get canceled before. We no, start no, no. But to say like there's great value and then there are the brands. There is a, there is a difference. For sure. And so when we are making comparisons to things, there are differences. Yes. There's nuance and then there's difference. Yes. Living single as a concept was the original concept. For sure. Friends came after living single. Yes. So that's not a, and I that bet a jab. Again, just, even though friends was a great show. I imagine just based off of what we know about our white counterparts, friends was probably developed because they were like, well, why did the black people have a show like that? Like we could have a show like that. too." And and further your point, a lot of times we are black people are the barometer of cool. Right. Mm -hmm. So for sure, a lot of times we have to do something first that they go, Hmm. And then they have to see it be successful. Mm-hmm. And then they go, oh, 
that obviously caught right yeah so let's make our own version of it and make Mm -hmm. it even bigger Mm -hmm. that to me that always seems like the impetus like oh Mm -hmm. this actually does get traction this actually does make money (laughs) let's put our writers in a room let's put our producers in a room let's put the actors we want in a room and make a bigger better version the Mm -hmm. silent part is whiter that's the silent part right is it is it wider or is it just better is it it's because it's not better the thought no 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 no. i'm not i don't mean that literally i think that because white people think white is inherently better yes Yes. that's why i'm saying the 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 silent part is the no it's just wider it's not better okay but they they think they're synonymous Mm. like making it better does not put a black person in the cast does not even it's it's that thing of thinking that they are one and the same. My intrusive thoughts are about to win. <laughs> I just I just wonder. So in thinking of them being try. like, mm-hmm. in thinking of them being like, based off of what you just said, it's just going to be wider, which in their mind is better. means that it's going to be better. Do they think that about their food? Girl, yeah. They think their food is... Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Did y'all know, uh-huh. like, chicken... Slave, like, white people didn't eat chicken. That wasn't... That wasn't considered, like, good meat. So, fried chicken... We fried the chickens. Well, yes. They ended up finding out it was delicious. And now, every, every mama in a small town that has a family-owned restaurant is like this fried chicken recipe has been in my family yeah been in my family for years this is my grandmama's recipe and it's like no it ain't it's like whoever they got that recipe from was likely a black servant in the home making that yeah they didn't do that so a lot of the southern foods yeah a lot of the southern foods they weren't eating that shit even watermelon when we started being able to sell watermelon it, it actually become profitable that's when it turned into the food of 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 um, laziness, and that's when all of that's when all of it flipped back to the chicken thing. When they decided the chicken was delicious, we got the negative connotations with fried chicken. So again, it gets co opted and mm-hmm. then turned into the nigger rigged version, mm. right? Mm. So now it's oh, black folks, ha ha, fried chicken and watermelon, and it's like. Y'all love fried chicken. Okay, because so let's not do that. But but that's the thing. In order to, they can't, that's why that it's cultural appropriation because it's, they can't take it and appreciate it for what it is. They have to take it, flip it, co-opt it, and make it something totally different, i.e. your boxer braids that were just cornrows, right? They got to make it something else that right. aligns better with whiteness because it would Damn. be too much like right can't to go, you know what? That is actually dope, and I love that you do that. I would yeah, like to, I would, I would like, like to, to do, do it, it too, with you. No, I gotta take it and make it seem like I did it better or I invented it. Yeah, and then the version that you do is now low class, low budget, ghetto, ghetto, hood, ugh, ignorant. So that's what I'm saying. Their mind is: we're gonna take living single, but we're gonna mass produce it to bigger better audiences and we're going to refine it and they're going to go to coffee shops and they're going now i'm thinking about all of the things that like you can compare black and white to so that one year at ecu this is so my intrusive thoughts are really winning, they're winning. right now 
But that one year at ECU at what's the place called Riverwalk? I only went to ECU one time and one time was enough. We could talk about that another time. That's hilarious. But and remember the white folks were climbing on like the um cell phone towers and like the the poles. Uh I missed that chapter in college history. Child, there, I know y'all remember. Like it was cars be like being jumped on, stomped on, like dents in people's car. Like they were doing crazy shit. If it had some if, if it had been some niggas doing that. You already know. It would have been insane out there like for sure and so yeah just thinking about all the things that they feel like they do better or even the things that they get away with like it's just i mean it's no different than the way that they like call like political process protesting for black people oh they're looters and rioters it's like but y'all want a hockey game and go flip over a bus like and that's just team spirit (laughs) it's just team spirit bruh but that's what i'm saying it's It's it is the it goes so deep into how we're just viewed all together. Yeah. So it's like that doesn't. It's so interwoven into how they process that everything gets to look like, oh, when niggas do it, it's it's negative. When we do it, it's it's pride. It's, it's spirit. Cool when they it's do passion. It. Yeah. It's a problem when, when I do, do it. Fuck them. Jesus. <laughs> I ain't even gonna tell y'all what she did. It doesn't even matter. <sighs> okay. She's fine though. I'm great. Um, but yeah, I think getting back to the pay gap, it's like there therein lies in a roundabout way of saying things, therein lies part of the answer is that is Brad Pitt such a world class actor or is he just, just white? white? Mm. Are these people mm. really great actors? Even when we look at People Magazine and they do like the the sexiest man alive. Girl. It's been very few covers of people that were actually sexy. sexy. Come on, bro. <laughs> like, Come on, bro. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, we... <laughs> it's not... It has nothing to do... A lot of white people that are in the positions that they're in are allowed to just be average we have to be so damn exceptional to even be we in have the to conversation. be exceptional and we have to like position ourselves like adjacent to yeah. whiteness you took the words right out of my mouth yes because taraji is an amazing actress i white people can't see themselves in her nope so if they can't relate to the actress if they can't see themselves in her in any way then that somehow deems whether she's a successful actress or not. She's objectively inferior. Like, and that sucks because why do I have to position myself adjacent to whiteness in order to be good? I don't. And, and I think Taraji has done a great job of being authentically who she is. And I mean, I don't know her personally, but I imagine being authentically who she is and and having faith that that will be recognized in the way that it's supposed to be mm-hmm. in due time right and that and I think that's important because I think on the look back right when we I see a lot of postings and different things about artists like um Dionne Warwick mm-hmm. and you know she's a a seasoned woman Mm -hmm. at this point in her career you know what I'm saying but I think that 
it's only a lot of us as black people only get the recognition in hindsight mm-hmm. because there's enough time and distance in between the inferior inferior fuck the inferiority oh, complex at least it wasn't just me at least you got hey, one this episode yeah too. i took a l on this one too um <laughs> the inferiority complex of probably her white peers at the time yeah and her actual talent because when you're too close to it and you don't have it or you can never possess it and you and it bothers you you can't acknowledge it mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. now people can acknowledge Dion warwick because her peers are not the ones that are promoting her. It's us digging back in the yeah. crates and looking yeah. and going, wow, how was she able to do that at that time? But that's just the thing. The people around you, and this just ain't about race, but but hear, hear what I'm finna say. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. When you exhibit greatness and the people around you don't, can't, have not tapped into their own, they recognize it. Oh, for sure. They totally see it. They are not, they are not going to platform you simply because it's like putting rocket fuel in the rocket and being the one that's going to remain on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, and these niggas mm-hmm. that we around do not work for NASA. Okay. So most people know, oh, she's, she's a rocket, bro. Yes. Somebody else going to have to fuel that tank though. That's so true. I can't do it. I can't do it. My pride, my insecurity, who I am, who I'm not. I know it's a rocket because I'm I can see a rocket. She is the rocket, so she's not even realizing that she's a rocket because she can't see herself. And she played on what was the name of the movie? Sorry. We're talking, talking hustle and flow. Well, We're talking I was talking about rockets. What's the mean rocket? Oh, yeah, she was in Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures. That's I didn't even realize I was making that analogy. But, yes, she was in Hidden Figures. Yeah, and did not get and, any And wasn't Kevin Cosner in Hidden Figures? Yeah, some white And movie. he got more recognition. He wasn't even a he starring wasn't. role. That's what I'm saying. It's shit like that it's where it's so like frustrating. the movie was about the women, the black women that work for NASA. And the white man took the award home. Thank you. The movie itself might have won awards. Yeah, but as it's far as the, the individual contributions. Yeah. And it's like, how the fuck um, the, do you create a movie about the black women in NASA and the white male, the white male supporting lead gets the award for it as an individual? It's called insanity. But we are, I'm hoping, I'll speak for myself. No, I'm going to speak for you too. Yeah, you got it. We're hoping... That especially after that incredible performance in The Color Purple and adding that to the arsenal of incredible features that she's had in films, um, films that she starred in, we are hoping that Taraji gets her just due after this. Absolutely. We are hoping the same for Danielle Brooks. Absolutely. We're definitely, for sure, hoping that for Fantasia Barino. Absolutely. And shout out High Point, North Carolina. Shout, shout out the 336. I'm sorry. I can't specifically shout out High Point, but I can shout out the 336 <laughs> for show. Um, She's from Greensboro, yo. Yes. Um, but, but I'm hoping that across the board for black women 
in every industry. Yes, we were specifically talking about Taraji P. Henson, but I want every black woman connected to me. And that is pretty much every black woman there is because we're all connected in some way. I want us to get the money that we are owed. I want us to get the respect that we deserve. And I want it now. Okay. It's my money and I need it now. All right, JG Wentworth. (laughs) And I mean it. (laughs) But I I second all of that. When Sid sees the color purple, we may talk a little bit more about that. But I was about to say I won't spoil it for her, but she bought the original, so I can't. I did see the original. Um, (laughs) so she can't spoil it, but I do want to experience because I know that the color purple is based on the musical broadway adaptation yes. and mm-hmm. not the original so i do want to see it for what it is yeah it's really um good. so i'm excited but yeah she better not spoil it because casting was great all right y'all we're gonna take a quick break for sure but we'll be right back to finish out this episode of styling the story bye sid something is really wrong with her don't do that don't do that for them people we really need to just start leaving the camera rolling during our breaks because it's just be a lot going on over here whatever okay y'all so it's time for the vent <sighs> what are we gonna talk about today girl well i know what i'm gonna talk about i don't know what you're about to talk about so just, well, just let a nigga know come on we i mm-hmm. am going <laughs> She said, you're talking about dick. (laughs) (laughs) I am not a peeing queen. You're talking about dick. I am going to stay out of this one. Um, (laughs) I'm going to keep my bit brief. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, Let me go up. (laughs) I can't stop. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm just going to play the beginning of... The video I will be referencing and discussing just so everybody is on the same page about what I am talking about. So roll the clip. Let me pull it. Up. I can keep it a buck with you. She never signed up for five inches. <laughs> While you worried about her body shape and she gained a few pounds and all that kind of stuff. What she's never told you is she had an eight inch peen and she married five. Amen. She died to the thought of the eight inch peen and accepted your five. And you got a gut. And if it's five and you got a gut, you, you can't see it. Hey, dog, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Because we always out here trying to act like my wife is letting herself go and she doesn't sexually satisfy me. Let your wife talk a buck. Your ego is too fragile. That's why she never brought it up. You have no idea how many women are sparing men's egos in the bedroom and in, and in counseling. Mm. Because you never get over it. Mm. You never get over it if she really told you how she felt about your pain. Well. You would never get over it if she really told you how she felt about your teeth. <laughs> you would never get over it if she really kept it a buck about your back hair. You would never get over it. You would never get over it. Some of y'all's breath. Your nails. Child. Cuticles. <laughs> These men's egos are so fragile. You would never get over it. Right. Okay. Wow. So that was Tim Ross. Um, and let me make sure what is the name of his podcast? 
I don't know. We'll shout it out. Maybe we'll put it in the description. But that was Tim Ross. Okay. Um, <laughs> he said a mouthful. He said a whole lot. He said what women have been saying for quite some time. And, and the main part of what he said is that we have been sparing niggas feelings for generations. Mm. So I'm going to just start here. Okay. Um, I have some acquaintances. A couple weeks ago, we were at an event and we were having some like pretty good conversations at the table I was intrigued, like we were laughing, hee hee ha ha. But a question came up, and the question that was posed was trigger warning. Um, The question that was posed was if it were between, if the doctor said you need to choose either your wife or your child, who would you choose? Hmm. And. That is something that many couples have experienced and faced. Like, that is a decision that people actually have to make, right? Mm -hmm. Someone's follow-up question was, well, how much weight did she gain during the pregnancy? Get the fuck out of here. When I tell you I wanted to snatch his ass away from that table, y'all. That's why they didn't make me a straight, y'all. Because, first of all. What? First of all. The man who said it. <laughs> Anytime you got to bridle your tongue like that, we already know what kind of man I just, it was. I want us to all be very clear. Some of us, you know, different body shapes, and I'm not body shaming at all. But many of us, self-included, are one cheeseburger away <laughs> from needing to shut up. About anybody else's weight. One two-piece all-white spicy away from needing to shut the fuck up. (laughs) You are one breath in a drive-thru at Popeye's away from needing to mind your own damn business. I love that. And it's the audacity of men. It is the audacity of men. You... The question that was asked was, would you save your child or your wife? And your first question is, well, how much weight did she gain? Nigga, she was carrying a whole human. What is your excuse? They just be carrying audacity. They just be carrying (laughs) audacity and cheeseburgers. (laughs) Like you have some nerve to be concerned about the weight of a woman who is taking, who is keeping you alive. But the thing about it though, is like, Women are always under the under the hammer of desirability politics. Ugh. Men don't have to be desirable. N- niggas do not have to be desirable. And that is so frustrating. Or they think desirability comes in the form of a wallet. <laughs> okay. And if we're going to talk about that, if desirability comes in the form of a wallet, a lot of you niggas is really not desirable. <laughs> Let's just... <laughs> Call it what it is. <laughs> we just finished talking about how the economy is shit right now. Everybody's struggling. Everybody's struggling. You niggas included. 
But y'all get in them funky ass sections with your musty ass friends sharing one bottle and think that you done made it. And then another thing. And another thing. (laughs) To Tim Ross's point about five versus eight. Oh, Lord. She finna pull the rule out. I'm not. Because I'll be honest. Ooh, Uh mommy, if you're listening. How honest? I'm going to be very honest. We grow. We are. I'm not going to say that I prefer certain size or not. I'm okay with boyfriend size penis. Okay. Boyfriend size penis <laughs> is average size penis. I don't need porn star dick. Okay. All right. I, I don't need that. Cause first of all, what are you about to do with it? Cause you're not coming over here. Where is it going to go? Where does it go? <laughs> Where does that go? But Okay. Anyway, so the point that I'm trying to make is not about what size penis I like. The point I'm trying to make is a lot of niggas who be talking about, ooh, you know who I can, Drake. He's an example. Uh Uh-oh. Because the way that man pillow talks about the women that he's been with and says she wasn't getting bad, X, Y, and Z, it's you. Y'all are talking all of this shit. About how quote unquote good a woman is in bed. And the women that you've dealt with have never even experienced an orgasm by you. Mm. You worried about the wrong thing, my brother. <laughs> Let's figure out how to get her there. Let's figure out how to make sure that she's satisfied versus just you giving your three pumps and then rolling off of her and going to sleep. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm laid out on this couch. That is, this is hilarious. Because I'm dead serious. You niggas need to be less audacious. And I mean that. I really mean that. I really mean that. Especially for a demographic of people who go to bat for you no matter how trash you are. Mm. Mm. Be so fucking for real. Your dick's not that big. You don't have that much money. You've never made a woman orgasm. You're a cheeseburger away from being the size of the women that you think are so undesirable. Who don't even want you, first of all. Mm. And you ugly. Well, yeah, there it is. And boom goes the dynamite. That's all I'm saying. That's that's really all I'm saying because I could talk about this all night because I, I really do get irritated at niggas for real. But Ooh. let's learn how to find that magic button that makes women just, yeah, erupt. Let's worry about that before we worry about what size she is. Okay. Let, let's do that. And also go wash your fucking hands. Your nails are dirty. And you don't work in an outdoor industry where your nails should be as dirty as they are. Oh, God. Get a brush. Scrub under the nails. Before you put your fingers anywhere near another woman. Mm. I'm done. Wow. Um... I didn't have much to give to that because I belong to the eligibility community. 
But uh, you know what? Hey, points were made here. I love how Sid just let me go off that. I mean, I mean, because it's women out here that are totally going to appreciate everything that she just said. I appreciate what she said. That ain't my ministry. And, you know, the universe knew exactly why. Because the way I would laugh. Yo, y'all. Oh, my God. What? Oh, oh tell us, tell us, y'all. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of laughter. So one time, one time at band camp. Okay. Exactly. Um, so we went out to dinner for Kayla's 30th birthday in November, right? After dinner, we ended up going to a place. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm about to be so stupid. I'm not going to name them. Um, but we went to a place where the plumbing is always an issue. I'll just leave it at that. We went to a place. We had a good time. We leave. <laughs> okay, let me set. Let me give y'all a visual. I have one a. Okay, you got it. You got it. You got it. Do your thing. Do your thing. Sid has on a forest green velvet suit. Is that velvet? Is that vel- it? Was fire? Like she looked great, right? Thank you. Was your hair in a ponytail? Was your, no, your hair was down. It was your down was at first. I put it in a ponytail. Yeah. It got hot. So she's in a velvet suit, y'all. Okay. I had that shit on. Okay. We walk out. <laughs> we walk out of this facility. And there's this man. We're like waiting on our friends outside the door. And this man comes up and comes up and is ready to put the mac down on sydney okay walked up and was (laughs) walked up and was like yo you are so beautiful and she was like thank you when i tell y'all i busted out laughing head hit the whatever the little thing she was leaning on i really i didn't even have time to stop myself from laughing because she i wasn't laughing because he said she's beautiful obviously sid is beautiful but I laughed because he was so barking up the wrong tree. I mean. But he didn't stop there. When he saw me laughing, he was like, what did I miss? Sid said nothing. She's trying to be nice. And so I'm like, let me just get myself together. But then he proceeds to like, okay, if you're watching on the camera, I'm gonna, he proceeds to like pull up on Sid like this and is looking down at her and was just like. I mean, I could have counted the teeth in his mouth. That's how close he was to me. He was just like macking. And she was like, yo, you about to step on my shoe. He like, I ain't going to step on your shoe. Like, I'm good. And she was like, no, I would like you to back up. Yeah, I was like, look down, brother. And he's. <laughs> <laughs> I told that nigga, to, I said, hey, man, look, go ahead and look down for it's, me. But the way she's talking to him is the way she talks normally. Yeah. So like. I just didn't understand. It what ain't wasn't giving. Clicking. It's not giving. It wasn't sex kitten submissive. None of that shit. I was it, like, it I was also like, wasn't giving straight. No, no. I'm talking to him like how I talk. This how I talk. So I was like, I said, he was like, this what got me. This shit I almost laughed. He was like, do I make you nervous? I said, sir, nobody makes me nervous. Like, She's very close to my face. You about to step on my feet? And he was like, no, I'm not. I said, look down. And he was like, oh yeah. And I was like. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna need you not to step on my boots. Mind boot. you, she had what do you have on loafers? I had on these boots. I had on an ankle boot, like a like Chelsea boot. Yeah, I mean, kinda. It was like a pointed toe leather Chelsea boot. Some shit I didn't want him to step on. And also, it was not giving. I want you. No, also, very much closed body language. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm standing there stiff as a board. That's something else that men be audacious about. They can't okay. read a fucking room to save their life. Obviously, 
me and Sid are not like that, right? But you don't know that. Like, you have someone who's dressed like hyper feminine. Right. And then you have a woman who is in a suit. I'm in a suit. You don't. And not like, not like a that suit with a corset. No. Like a suit with a high collared t-shirt on you don't stop to think oh they could possibly be together they don't give a shit about that they literally don't give they a don't damn. give a damn they barely bro i have had niggas try to grab me on the dance floor in college with some fucking adidas pants on and a mm-hmm. jersey mm-hmm. yeah 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 they just think I know it's a vagina under there. That's literally which what is, they think. Which is really stupid. Men think that they can turn you out. I, I'm i going to go ahead and hate to break it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been gay a long time. That's not a, that's not a thing. A conquest also is, is gross. I just want y'all to be mindful of that. Unreciprocated, unrequited desire is gross. If somebody not... If somebody not into you, this okay. This the other thing. This where this where the vanity pop out for me. Do it make you feel some type of way when you get approached by people that you know ain't got no goddamn business approaching you? It's like you, you even if I was straight, you can't be serious. You think that you, you can't be serious? I, what? I give You're, I give that this could be a thing, nigga. You can't be serious. Like Come I'm offended. On. You just offended me. You just made me mad. You thought that you had a chance with me? Not a snowball's chance in hell. You you thought... Come on. That's what you thought for real? Come on. This man was... First of all... Oh, you want me to keep it on? It, it's giving you want me to keep it on. He he was bald. That's not the, that's not the issue, but like bald? Like, no. Like, I'm... Like, there, there are guys that are Sid, bald. Sid, you're going are, to offend our bald friends. No, no, no. That's why I said that's not the issue. I'm just giving you... Because we have a couple. I'm just giving you the description. But it wasn't, like, bald like Boris Kojo. Yeah. It, it, it was just... I don't even know what it was giving. It was just... He ain't got no hair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he looked... Bald head, scallywag. And ain't got no he hair looked, He looked, like, 45. Like, he just wasn't... He just, he just wasn't an attractive guy. He said 45 guy. like it was old. Uh, it's not. It's old. not old, but I'm saying I'm, I, I'm 29. <laughs> okay. Yes, I'm aware. I'm 29, right? Yeah. So like, we're not even batting in the arena of if I like guys, where I would be looking. You feel what I'm saying? We're not talking 45 and distinguished. We're not talking the Lorenz Tate 45. Mm. We're not talking mm. Amari Hardwick. I'm mm. not. I'm gay, well, not, not blind. Dang, got nothing to do me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not the blind conversation that we had shut up <laughs> we'll revisit that what I'm saying is what I'm saying is is like we're not even talking about we're talking about caliber we're not necessarily going feature for feature because mm-hmm. one feature on another person does not automatically make them inherently unattractive he was just unattractive whether yeah. he had hair whether he was bought he just wasn't an attractive guy so the fact that he was so comfortable approaching me in the way that he did and trying to monopolize my time the way that he did. Audacious. It was just like, nigga, get away from me. And this is the thing about me, too. I don't lead with my gay. Because I ain't got time to be dealing with men's egos or endangering my What safety. do you mean by that? Like, if they approach you, you don't say I'm gay? You know, you have to be careful. Because okay. men, unfortunately, and it's not all men, but we've seen women lose their lives mm. in terms of how they reject yeah. a man. Yeah. Especially 
after the club and yeah, people have been, been drinking, drinking. Mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So I always have to err on the side of caution mm-hmm. of being firm enough in my boundaries, but not being so abrasive to where they go from being infatuated to threatened. Cause once a man flips that switch where they feel threatened or they feel like their ego has been shot up now I'm a target. So I can't move like that, right? Even though I be wanting dudes to back the fuck up or out my face. Me too, girl. Real bad. But I can't. I, like I can't act to like that. At the club. I can't act like that. Like I can't. I can't be like, hey, bro, get the fuck out my face. And that's not gonna go over well. Yeah, I know. So Ugh, it does suck that we have to be that so way. So I don't do that. But then you know, they also don't get the hint that like I just I don't want to talk to you. Yeah regardless of what I'm into, what I'm not into, whether I'm with somebody, whether I'm not with somebody, I just don't want to talk to you. And that should be enough for you to leave me the hell alone. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a gay woman, straight woman, you know, whatever kind of woman, if you feel like this isn't the kind of attention that I want, you should be able to decline it mm-hmm. swiftly, expeditiously. But that's not what happens. And so, yeah, it turns into a funny for my friends because <laughs> they already know what's up. They already know yes. I'm so far from interested interested in any of what's going on in that direction and to clarify if shit had went left that shit would not have been funny to me no. i just don't be very clear about that no so i'm the friend that likes to fight i know y'all see this like <laughs> sweet version of me yeah that's like that night all right and then we gonna move on because this is irrelevant that same night this girl came in our Ugh. section also gross was, like throwing her leg over the couch i'm glad that you're we bringing sitting this up on, yeah and twerking and doing whatever and then kept getting super close to Sid and Sid was visibly uncomfortable and I was like let me tell her to move I was saying that to everyone I was like no Bree it's fine it's fine no it's not fine first of all y'all all look visibly uncomfortable also she's grabbing on to people she's drunk as hell she keeps throwing this skinny little chicken leg across the couch and her friends are not grabbing her, so I'm I'm not trying to fight. I just want her to move. And it was like 17 of them. It was so many of them. It was a football team worth of them in a booth that only sat about five. They had a booth? Yes. But why was she in ours? And then she asked if she could smoke our hookah. Girl, if you don't move. Listen, so so I'm glad you brought that point up because it's, it's anybody in my space that don't need to be in my space that can get the fuck on. Because she was just like, she was... My thing is, even if she was attractive, it wasn't attractive what she was like, how she was moving and navigating. It's like, no, none of this. All of this has to do with my boundaries and personal space. None of this has to do with if I'm feeling you or not. I don't even know you. And and I don't care. It just wasn't enough being done from my opinion. And I want people to set boundaries in the way that feels good to them. And I would like to set boundaries in the way that feels good to me. So next time. I would like for you to let me have a conversation and just say, hey, can you know, you're doing a lot. We would like for you so, to get out. Of, I so, can say it nicely. Yeah. But the thing that unnerves me about situations like that is she was way drunker than we were. OK, and look, look, I know my friend like to fight. What I'm saying for me, if I was alone, like I function as if I'm by myself because I don't like for shit to get out of hand. But. That kind of shit. She was so close to my face. If exactly. I would, if I would have popped off on her, that's, that's why her, I told you not to be the one to pop yeah, off. Yeah, that's her knocking me into the hookah. That's her. She won't her go knock me. nothing. Look, man. One as drunk as she was. I'm just saying. Also, there was enough people in that sit. sit 
you know what? Let's move on because I'm getting mad. <laughs> she get mad all over again. I'm just saying, y'all, when y'all go out and you don't know people, um, if you can't keep it cute, leave them alone. Just like leave them alone. Also, sometimes it's okay to put the drink down or to tell your friends you don't want another shot. Yeah, it's, it's like really okay. we're getting to that age where it's like, no, being, we're not getting there. We're there. We are there. there. You're right. You're right. I don't. I mean, my thing is, I don't get sloppy drunk anyway. Me either. And I hate. Mm. I hate. I don't dealing, get sloppy drunk. But I hate dealing with like women out sloppy drunk. I, I don't. Never been I don't like, like taking care of nobody that's throwing up that I got to pick up and and do. I, I'm not that girl. I've been that girl before, and I loathe it. I loathe it. I'm never gonna let any harm come to anybody that's Makes out with me. Mental note: not to drunkenly throw up around Sid. I mean, I'm gonna take care of you. No, gonna, you just said you don't want to take care of me. Don't mean I ain't gonna do it. I'm just letting you know that. Be be advised. I'm not gonna enjoy it. Be advised. I'm gonna be pissed. I'm gonna be mad. Mm. I'm gonna get you where you need to go because I done it before. I did it at a bachelorette party. It was ridiculous. Girl was dancing on security. It was listen. We had to drag her ass up out of there, mm. and we was in Savannah, Georgia. Oh Lord, I'd have been to Savannah. Yeah, not the place to do Absolutely all of that nonsense. Not. So yes, I don't like it because it puts everybody in a precarious situation. Mm-hmm. Especially when you out of town, you know what I'm saying? I'm out of town. <laughs> she finna get a swift clothesline to the throat. I knew that was gonna piss her off, but but life is a musical. There's a song for everything. I just couldn't resist. Um, okay, so what would you like to vent about, Sid? Um, shit. I don't. You know, that's a great question. Uh. I think I'm going a, I'm to a piggyback off of what she was saying, but just go a little bit further in um, the vein of it is okay to have like standards and boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I'm in a space in life where certain people in my life are very challenged by my boundaries. Mm. And it's, it makes it very obvious that separation is needed mm-hmm. because I I'm not in a position in life where I can forego those boundaries because they matter and they mean something. And I think it's so interesting how people can get irate at your boundaries when boundaries are not, Hey, don't fuck with me. Boundaries are, Hey, there's this, this peace and solitude that I've created around myself. And in order for that to continue to function, when I interact with other people, I have just some kind of some guidelines a little bit. Now, you ain't got to do it, but if you decide to violate, there's going to be consequences and repercussions that come along with that. Or just a change in my behavior, right? So, I <laughs> I just think that it's it's kind of this thing where my sister, who's 16, explained it pretty perfectly. She said, you know, boundaries tend to upset people who are not able to get from you what they once were able to get or use you in the ways that they want to use you because that boundary is in place. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm. So a 16-year-old grasped the concept, but yeah. the adults in our lives don't. Well, it's it screams, oh, I don't get to treat you how I want to treat you no more? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. How you going to tell me how to treat you? Ask yourself that question again. See if it makes sense. And it's it's very eye-opening because you don't really know how much people consider or respect you 
until you have to set a boundary or until you girl or until you just feel not even have to but just in your growth and maturation and how you move in your own life you just don't function a certain way no more or certain things you just like hey i I don't like that can you not do that Mm -hmm. i'm not telling you not to do something that you naturally do i'm telling you don't do something to me right so if i'm saying hey brie um you know when you come over to my house if I have an unopened bag of chips and you want some chips, just be like, hey, Sid, can I open these? No problem. Cool. I ain't say don't fucking touch my chips. Mm-hmm. I just said, let me know. That's it. Mm-hmm. So if Bree's like, how the fuck, why I gotta, why I gotta let you know that I'm open? Like, what? That's selfish. I'm gonna look at her like, how is that selfish? I'm not depriving you of anything. I'm just requesting that you just let me know. That's it. Would it really pain you that much to just be like, to just rock with that? Go on, go on and get it. She chomping at the bit. I, you know, I know that was just an example, but we, we both know that that is real life. I just don't understand why people think it's necessary. No, that's not what I want to say. It's interesting to me that we often have to set boundaries for things that are just common sense. Right. That's what I want to say. Right. Because if we're going off of the chip example, they're my chips. So the fact that I even have to set a boundary and tell you to ask for permission to eat my chips. And somehow you are thrown all out of whack and you are threatened by my request for you to ask for permission to eat my chips. Right. Because that goes into, that goes into things not being inherently yours or the idea of something being inherently yours as like selfish in a negative way. And in the way that I grew up, I got called selfish a lot. Really? Yeah, a lot. Because first of all, I was the only child for nine years. But I had, like, younger cousins, and they were all a lot younger than me. And I always kept my shit a certain way. Like, I took care of my toys. You know, I kept my things a certain way. And I would observe how people would take care of their shit. And I didn't want them touching my shit. And I was always forced to have to, if my younger cousin wanted to play with something that belonged to me, and he breaks it. Mm. Now I got a broken toy. But if I would put it up, Sydney, why did you, you know, don't put your toys up. Da, da, da. That's that's selfish. I mean, you should share. And it's like, you aren't requiring your kid to not break my shit. But you're requiring me to just give it to them. I should share. But nobody's telling your child that they should not break people's things. Exactly. Or their own things. Or their own things. But- right? So it's not about, I don't want this person to touch it because they're a person that exists it's it's i don't want this person having something that one doesn't even belong to them it belongs to me he's only over here for a couple hours this is my house this is where i live this is my stuff so in the time that he spends over here and he tears it up he breaks it or he stuffs it in his pocket and takes it home with him then what about me but i'm wrong for wanting anybody that comes into my space or deals with my things to just respect them I'm the asshole. 
And that has always frustrated me because I feel like, where's the accountability for the other people that interact with you? I'm not a selfish person. And it took me a long time to understand for myself that, Sydney, you're not selfish. Mm. You're not selfish. There's so many things that I do for other people, giving of my time, giving of my money, giving of gifts, giving of food. Like, I give and I commune. And I think that it's it's natural to have things that should just be for you, mm-hmm. especially if your ass bought them. And then especially. not even going into like becoming an adult and like your resources changing. You know, sometimes I don't have certain things to give. Mm-hmm. I don't have excess. Mm-hmm. And so when I do have something that I need for me, I may not have the excess to replenish it in that moment. And so, no, I may not be able to give this today. It doesn't, doesn't mean me that doesn't make me selfish. That makes me a steward of my resources. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't if you ain't got no money in your account, you can't just go keep buying shit. Mm-mm. So if I don't have anything to give, I can't just keep giving shit. Right. It doesn't mean that I don't want you to have anything. It means that, hey, I'm out of stuff to give. Yes. So the last thing I need you doing is taking from me what I have the last bit of provisions that I have acquired for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that we do that a lot with family because we kind of have this attitude that like, oh, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine until what's yours is not mine, but you think that what's mine is always yours. So I'm just in a space where I'm having to unlearn some things that I've internalized and and have battled with and grappled with for years and realized that, like, you know, that is not the experience of everybody that is in my life. That is only the experience of a few. And I need to start taking more um, inventory of when do these conversations come up, mm-hmm. under what circumstances these conversations come up, and who this energy is coming from. And... I finally taken ownership over like you get to decide what you affix to your identity. You know who you are, don't you? Shit, you should by now. You old enough. And people will also gaslight you when they are not able to manipulate you. Child. When they can't use you or when you or when they see that you've changed and it doesn't and you didn't change for their benefit. Mm-mm. Oh, you're going to be everything but a child of God. And when you change and you now begin to see yourself the way that you should have seen yourself the entire time. Hello. Because then that takes away from that level of control that they have. Yes. Because before you saw yourself the way they saw you. Mm -hmm. Now you're seeing yourself the way God always intended for you to see yourself. And that to them feels like an act of selfishness. Versus an act of radical self-acceptance. And you know what? It is selfishness, but it's not selfishness in the way it's not a negative thing. No, I'm finally choosing me over choosing to make sure that the things that I do, the way that I look, the things I say make you feel good before they make me feel good. Because half the time. What I was conceding to did not make me feel good. It made me feel like I just usurped my own values. 
Mm-hmm. I I just usurped my own agency over myself. I just went, oh, how I feel about this doesn't matter at all. Only how you feel about this matters. And so what what am I telling myself? I don't matter. My feelings don't matter. My emotions don't matter. My boundaries don't matter. My womanhood doesn't matter. And it's like, no, that is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, as I've gotten older, it's like, I'm tired of always being the one that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I just am. I'm and, and uncomfortable with myself. I have no reason to be uncomfortable with myself. I was uncomfortable with things that other people loved about me and that shit is crazy that's that's been the craziest part Bree. like i have been depriving myself and suppressing elements of myself that other people when they see it they're like yo that's cool as shit Mm -hmm. and i'll be like really oh my god (laughs) i can't i couldn't see it i didn't know how to appreciate it I, I could see it. I didn't know how to appreciate it. I didn't know how to embody it. I didn't know how to just live in it and not second guess it or question it all the time. And so it fed my insecurities. Do you know now? Hell yeah, I know now. Like, trick daddy and Trina. <laughs> you know now, nigga. You know now, nigga. <laughs> I do. And you know what? I'm, I'm blessed because it's interesting the things that come... Um, <laughs> In a plowing season. Y'all ain't ready for that conversation. That's going to have to be on the next one. But just that's a foreshadowing. It's interesting the things that come Mm. when you. I won't say I don't have anything because I do have things. But I'm definitely in a season where I don't have excess. Mm -hmm. So I'm really having to use what I got. Mm -hmm. And it's making me value what I've always had. But I dismissed because that wasn't the flavor of the month for Mm -hmm. the other people that I was around. And so now when you don't have all this extra shit going on and you got to sit with you and you got to look at you in the mirror and you got to go, okay, when we remove the this, the that, the this, the that, the this, the that, the pomp and the circumstance, what you're left with, to my pleasant surprise, was a whole lot of fucking great shit. So I didn't need all of the other stuff. It's nice. My car nice. Yeah, I got a I got a townhouse somewhere. It's nice. It's cool, but it's like that shit never mattered. If all of that stuff were gone, this is a rhetorical question. If all of that stuff were gone tomorrow, what's left? Is it me or is it a shell of myself? Is it the version of myself that I created when I got those things mm-hmm. in an effort to appease the masses or to look a certain way mm-hmm. if I'm stripped of all of it is what's left me mm-hmm. and it sounds like you've gotten to a place where the answer is yes it's me and I love myself I'm gonna cry friend <laughs> oh god I cried on the first episode I'm not gonna cry I mean that's this is what we're here for it I love myself I've <sighs> I've never I've never been in a season like this um and it's it's very it's very transparent but it's just like it is what it is I've never been in a season where I've been stripped down to this point um and a lot of times people don't want to go through a season like this Mm-mm. They be damned before they went through a season like this. 
But for me, I had to because it allowed me to divorce this relationship I had with what I have being a measure of how valuable I am to other people. Mm. And I grew up like that. I grew up upper middle class. I grew up Range Rovers, big houses, Jack and Jill, all of those things. And unfortunately, the the stereotypes that get perpetuated, the things people think about you, the standards that people hold you to, the expectations that people have of you, they fuck you up. Because if that isn't who you are all the way, you get shunned. People think that you failed. And they treat you like that. You know, I'm I'm Jack and Jill president of the teens. I'm track team captain, all of this other type of shit. Then folks found out I was gay and was like, ugh. And it's like, um, I ain't screwing the football team. I just don't like guys. I'm still a straight A student. I'm still going to college. Like mm-hmm. all the other things that were wonderful about me got immediately diminished because I was not straight. And I was like 16 when that happened. So it's like dealing with that from grown ass people that could not handle their own prejudice, their own bias, and literally took that as an opportunity to knock me off of the pedestal that they fucking created. It was very difficult, very difficult. And it made it even harder to find myself and to be comfortable with myself because of the microaggressions. People saying little shit that once they find out, then they talking about, oh, I hope she don't date this type of person. or I hope she don't start dressing like that. or I hope she don't start looking like that. And I internalized that shit. I definitely internalize that shit to the point where people will ask me questions. Well, do you think it's because she plays sports or do you think it's because she like basketball or maybe because she listened to hip hop? And it's like, why are y'all trying to diagnose my gay? We don't nobody asks why you like men. Nobody cares because the answer is I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. Nobody asks you what happened to you when you're straight. Yeah. You don't raise gay children. That's not that's not a thing. You know what I'm saying? I didn't grow up gay. I grew up and I identified with what I was attracted to. Mm-hmm. Cuz I also think sexualizing kids is mad fucking weird. It's very weird. Super weird. But whole another topic. But my point in all of this is that in trying to find myself and in trying to accept myself, I I was saddled with this feeling of like having to let everybody down first and it's like what the fuck is that about because I didn't I didn't change nothing like I didn't not graduate you know I went to North Carolina State University like I did all the right things I was a debutante I was all the things I checked all the boxes and I was always getting hit if I didn't do it just so or there was always an undercurrent of yeah this is great but she still ain't gonna marry no man Mm. Mm. you know what I'm saying I still wish it would have happened like this I still wish it would have happened like that and it's like you know what I had dreams and wishes of it wasn't none of this shit but I did it I did it so that everybody else could feel like she turned out exactly how we thought she would be because if I look like that and if I grew up like that my life should be should look like this so because she got it this is what she needs to do and if she don't do it she's wasting it that's what I got 
Oh yeah, she got an ass, but I mean, she she wasting it. She don't like men, and it's like, <laughs> what? What? You know how many sister friend conversations I've been around where people would name features on me that they wish they had and what they would do with it, and it's like, are we we mad? I'm not a hoe. We we. Like- are we like reverse slut shaming? Like, what the fuck is? <laughs> I don't even know what you call that. And sometimes people think it's funny, but like, at some point, it's just like, what? What's underneath all that? And you what know, you want me to do about it? What's underneath it all is an insecurity that people are not able to walk in their truth and to be free in who they are in the same way that you are. Because while you are saying like you're just, you know, kind of finally coming into yourself after enduring all of that, the truth of the matter is the moment, the moment that you came into the world, but specifically the moment that you came out, you freed yourself. And Mm. there are so many people in our lives, specifically the adult adults, because we're like the teenage adults. Yeah, we're the baby adults. Yeah. Um, they have never been able to experience that. Mm-hmm. That is... It's, it's sad that they haven't been able to do that. Mm-hmm. But in their eyes, you being able to do that is intimidating to them. Right. And so, I mean, I'm super proud of you for doing the work to get to this place of comfort with who Sid really is and and saying, I am no longer seeking the acceptance or the, the acceptance of or the validation from these people who got charged with taking care of me. Right. And loving me and caring for me. I'm no longer waiting for their validation to accept who I am. I am just going to be. Yeah. And that's the thing is that that's a train that's not coming. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that for a lot of us, we would really feel the liberation if we accepted that certain trains are not coming. So no matter how long you wait, you're missing other trains that are taking off and going amazing places waiting on this this train that's just it ain't even on the tracks and the unfair part about it is people will dangle a ticket in front of your face as if that train exists and if you just do this if you just do this but the goalpost keeps moving because what isn't being acknowledged is the fact that hey that one thing that I just can't fully embrace or accept always when you when you fail in other areas, fail in air quotes, because I don't look at things as failures. I look at things as opportunities to pivot and mm-hmm. to learn. Um, but when you do other things, it reminds me of that one thing that I really, really wish was different. And for me, it's like the longer you spend trying to fit clothes that were never made for your size, 
you're going to be uncomfortable for the rest of your life. Some of y'all are doing that for real. That was a metaphor, but some of y'all really are doing that. Yeah, but it's like, go find the shit that fits you. Please. Just go find what like, fits please. you. There are there are outfitters. There are tailors. There are people in your life that go, oh, my God, I've been waiting for you to come into my shop because I have all of these patterns and designs and mm-hmm. textures that were made just for you. I was just waiting on you to find me so that I could adorn you in the way that you're supposed to be adorned and get to the point in your life where you don't have to accept some shit just because it comes from a familiar face. Mm. You know what I mean? Some of these calls be made inside the house and it's like, I don't, I don't have to just take it because I know the hand that's giving it to me. Mm. That should be all the more reason I use a little bit more discernment because Mm -hmm. I do know the hand that's giving it to me. I know all about that hand and I don't like all the places it's been. So keep it. Keep it. So that's my vent. Finally got to a place where if you, the way that I love and the way that I show love out here, if you ain't got it on you to give it back to me, that's fine. Keep it. But don't give me no half-ass shit, though, Mm -mm. because I'm not going to accept it. I'm going to do us both a favor and just tell you, hey, whatever little straggly pieces and crumbs that you got, you can keep them. Because I got people that's giving me whole plates of the shit I like to eat. And seconds. And, and seconds. And thirds. And a to-go plate. Yeah. Okay. So you ain't got to you ain't gotta conjure up no kitchen for me making some shit that I don't even eat no way. And that's that on that. I love that for you, friend. Um, well, you, y'all, this has been another episode of Styling a Story. We hope y'all enjoyed. And we will see y'all next time. Peace.